Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Nursing It podcast. I'm your host, David Larson, and today I will be going over the nasal cavity, the sinuses, the nasopharynx, the larynx, and the trachea in part one of my respiratory system series. Before I begin, I would like to remind listeners that if you have any questions regarding past topics or want me to go over something in a future podcast, please email me at nursingitpodcast at gmail.com and I'll make sure to address your questions. With that said, sit back, relax, and let's jump right into the nasal cavity. First off, I'll go over the structure and the function of the nasal cavity. It is made of nasal conche, which is covered with a mucoperiosteum, which has pseudostratified ciliated columnar epithelial histology. This allows for an increase in surface area, which allows your body to clean, warm, and moisten the air as you take in a breath through your nose. Cilia helps sweep debris towards the pharynx and also help cleans the air. There are a lot of blood vessels in your nasal concave, which allows you to warm the air. It is highly vascular. Goblet cells in this area also produce mucus, which will trap debris and moisten the air. Air needs to be 100% humidity in the alveoli in order for gas exchange to occur. Nasal concave are cooler than the respiratory tract. This allows you to your body to reclaim moisture and heat from exhaled air. It's basically you're allowing yourself to recycle energy that you are producing. And it also performs turbulent precipitation. This is where inhaled particles settle in the mucus. Then you swallow that mucus and it goes directly into the stomach. Cold air will slow the cilia. This will cause mucus or fluid to collect. And that's how, you know, if you go outside on a cold winter's day, you'll get a runny nose. Mucus will trap about 85% of inhaled dust. Along with cold air, smoking, it doesn't slow down the cilia, but it actually paralyzes the cilia, which causes an increase in mucus production. There's no sweeping of the mucus because the cilia are paralyzed, leading to accumulation, leading to the smoker's cough or even emphysema. If you keep on smoking, cilia would disappear. And what can happen is your pseudostratified ciliated columnar epithelial will, will undergo metaplasia and actually change to stratified squamous epithelial. And if you just keep on smoking, neoplasia will occur, leading to abnormal cell growth and can lead to cancer. And of course, these cancer cells can eventually metastasize and enter blood and lymphatics and spread. 
very scary stuff. Uh, and of one last structure for the nasal cavity includes the nasal septum, which divides the nasal cavity in half. And if we want to talk about a little bit of anatomy, your nasal cavity is superior, or superior of your nasal cavity is the criboform plate of the ethmoid bone, which is where your olfactory nerves are, and there are holes in that ethmoid bone to support that. Inferior to the nasal cavity is your maxilla and your palatine, palatine or your palate bone which includes your hard and soft palate. So that's enough about the nasal cavity. Let's jump right into the sinuses, more specifically your paranasal sinuses. And there are four of them. The maxillary sinus is the largest, and it is drained by lying down. The frontal sinus is the most superior one. Then there's the ethmoid sinus, which is the smallest. And then there's the sphenoid sinus which can house your cella turica. And the histology of your sinuses is similar to your nasal cavity because it's made of pseudostratified columnar um, ciliated epithelium. It also has a mucoperiosteum and it has cilia as well, like I said, 250 per cell. And these cilia sweep at 16 to 20 strokes a second. And of course, it sleeps debris so that you can swallow the mucus and your stomach will do the rest. So the, your, your sinuses have four clear functions. The first one is to help clean and moisten the air. It produces about a liter of fluid a day. Isn't that something? They help decrease the weight of the skull and they help give resonance to your voice. Fluid drains from your sinus to your nasal cavity through openings by the nasal concave. And then of course, that fluid is then swallowed and away it goes. So one major pathophysiology of the sinuses is sinusitis, which of course is the inflammation of the sinus. This leads to an increase in the mucus secretion. And this can lead, to, or this can be caused by openings of the sinus by the nasal Conche becoming blocked, leading to swelling, inflammation, and quite a lot of discomfort. So that's all I have about the sinuses. They are very important, and they can cause a lot of pressure if they do get inflamed. So it's important to understand that. Onward through our journey here is our nasopharynx. This Histology-wise, it also includes pseudostratified ciliated columnar epithelial. And this is where your pharyngeal tympanic tube is, also known as your eustachian tube. And the function of that is to equalize pressure from the middle ear to the pharynx. You'll get that popping sound if you're changing in uh, elevation, especially when you're on flights. This is also where your na nasopharyngeal tonsils are, your adenoids. This is, these are, of course, made of lymphatic tissue, and they increase in size during adulthood. Uh, and these could actually block the eustachian tube if they are infected. These swollen adenoids can lead to uh, otitis media, which is a chronic ear infection 
can actually lead to deafness down the line. It can lead to mouth breathing, which will cause a whole bunch of different problems, such as dry mouth. Your air, not warmed, can have an effect on your lungs down the line. And you can actually start to develop altered facial bones and an arched palate due to these swollen adenoids. Which is why these might have to be removed if they become a problem. Now let's go back to smoking and talk a little bit more about the effects of smoke inhalation in general. Not necessarily smoking, but let's say you're in an apartment building or in a building and a fire breaks out and there's a whole bunch of smoke. The first thing that's going to happen around your nasopharynx area is the heat will destroy cells in your mouth and larynx. And this could actually lead to fluid buildup and pulmonary edema which can lead to blocked airway and dyspnea symptoms. Your cilia will start to be destroyed and you're at risk of developing pneumonia or respiratory failure. Smoke will start to block the air intake of oxygen and your carbon monoxide levels in your body will start to increase. This will lead to less oxygen to the brain and that is why people in those situations can be left unconscious. And Basically, as a nurse or a healthcare provider or a first responder that sees these patients, our beginning treatment is to provide oxygen. If it is not, if it is not <coughs> prescribed, we will provide two liters of oxygen to begin with and then go from there and see how their oxygen saturation changes. We could also use an endotracheal tube to administer air if the airway is blocked and we would hopefully have prescribed bronchodilators to help relax the muscles to an increase the diameter of the airway. Now, let's move on to the larynx. Now, the larynx histology is a little bit differently. As we're moving down from our upper respiratory tract into our lower respiratory tract, the histology will change. So, the histology here is stratified squamous above the vocal cords and then pseudostratified ciliated columnar epithelial below it. And there's also the addition of hyaline cartilage. And your larynx is located between your pharynx and your trachea. And the main function of these, there are two of them, but the main one is air conduction. So allowing a nice tube for air to go from where you're inhaling into your lungs. And the final one is speech because this is where your vocal cords are. Now, there are two different kinds of vocal cords in our body, false and true vocal cords. The false vocal cords are superior and they assist in closing the larynx when we swallow. Then there's the true vocal cords which are inferior and this is what makes the vocal sounds. They do not move when we whisper and then they vibrate vigorously when we yell or we're talking loudly. So amplitude of our speech is assisted by our diaphragm and our abdominal muscles clenching and giving us a more booming complexion. What happens when you go through puberty is very interesting, specifically male puberty. 
your larynx will actually start to tilt forward with the increased production of testosterone and also and will start to increase in size as well and your the male's vocal cords will lengthen this leads to a more deep voice so vocal cords like i was mentioning they act to allow us to talk and they also act as a sphincter specifically the false vocal cords to prevent air exhalation when we're doing things like the valsalva maneuver or when we're swallowing well that's a new term the valsalva maneuver so this can occur basically when you're holding your breath in and when you're lifting when you're coughing when you're defecating or when you're giving birth your glottis will close and your intrathoracic pressure will increase. Now, a problem with this is blood doesn't come from the inferior and superior vena cava into the right atrium when you're performing this. And this can lead to an increase in your jugular uh, JVP, or your jugular venous pressure, causing your jugular vein to bulge. And this can actually lead to a momentary flow of the blood of the blood to the heart to stop now this is totally fine for healthy people but if you have someone who has some kind of cardiovascular disease or is at risk with diabetes or renal problems and their electrolytes are all out of whack this will lead to an increase in a blood clot risk and it can actually lead to a stroke from back pressure or from a clot formation due to the stasis of blood and then of course this could lead to cardiac arrest afterwards because when you get out of the valsalva maneuver you can get an increased load of blood coming into the heart upon you taking a breath and this increased stress can actually lead to a heart attack so just something to consider From there, we're going to hop into the trachea. Now, this trachea, histology-wise, is also made of hyaline cartilage and pseudostratified ciliated columnar epithelial. And it is 5 inches in length and 1 inch in diameter. And it is located between the larynx and the bronchi. So structure-wise, it's made of 16 to 20 C-shaped rings with the uh, trachealis or the smooth muscle at the posterior. This smooth muscle is very important because this trachea is a very hard structure and the esophagus is actually posterior to the trachea and then posterior to the esophagus is our vertebrae. Now why all this is needed is the trachealis or the smooth muscle actually allows the esophagus to expand when swallowing. Now you need this, so say you take quite a big swallow of food and this giant bolus is coming down. Without this trachealis to allow for the expanding of the esophagus, food might actually get stuck between the trachea and your vertebrae, and that could lead to, of course, discomfort and problems. And uh, it can also allow for the contraction of the trachealis when you're coughing. Uh, at, in the trachea, at the very bottom, 
your Karina is located there. And what a Karina is, well, we'll say uh, it is an extremely sensitive part of the trachea. And mucus will actually build up here. So location-wise, it is at the most inferior of the trachea, and it is at the location where the branches of the left and the right bronchi begin. So if you think of a Y shape, and you put the Y upside down, that tip that is formed is where the carina is. And it is extremely sensitive, and when mucus builds up here, it can initiate the cough reflex. Now, say someone uh, needs to cough or is getting a, has a disorder that they produce a ton of mucus and fluid, and it is just resting at the base of the lungs. As a nurse, we can actually help do an intervention where we suggest and help a patient do what is called a tapotement over the posterior chest. And what that means, a tapotement, is a bend over posture where we physically smack the back. This will help secretions arrive to the carina to trigger the cough reflex and get rid of that mucid fluid. Now, let's say that you accidentally, you're eating really fast and you aspirate some food or liquid. The food will actually lodge in the carina, triggering the cough reflex to expel it. Now, if it gets past the carina, there will be no cough reflex and that's a problem. And basically, the, we'll, we'll jump right into what even the cough reflex is. Now, the cough reflex is caused due to an afferent nerve impulse from the vagus nerve, which goes to the medulla to trigger the cough reflex. So what happens with this is, let's just say, you aspirate a little bit of water because you're laughing with your friends uh, and you trying to swallow at the same time and some water gets down the wrong pipe. The physiological process that occurs with the cough reflex is very fascinating. Your epiglottis will close. Your vocal cords will close as well to trap air into the lungs. Then your abdominal and your internal intercostal muscles will contract forcefully, pushing the diaphragm, which will cause an increase in pressure to rise in the lungs. Then your vocal cords and your, op uh, your epiglottis will open widely, and this will cause air under high pressure to be expelled from the lungs at a rate of about 75 to 100 miles per hour. And this leads to two and a half liters of air to be just pushed out. This will carry the foreign matter uh, directly out and into the environment. So it's a very cool process and it happens just like that within seconds. Everyone's had a coughing fit before. You inhale a bunch of air and that air is trapped. You're building in the pressure and then it is exha exhaled. So this is very important to help clear the lower respiratory tract. But what if it's someone is unconscious? and the cough reflex isn't working. So some very important things to note is, of course, 
do not give any fluid and don't leave the patient on the back. If you do that, if you give fluid or you leave the patient on their back, they can actually aspirate potentially and without the cough reflex, they could suffocate themselves to death. Now, one uh, intervention is, of course, uh, if we've all learned in CPR, you put them in the position where they're on their side. And as a healthcare professional, if they're really in trouble, what we can do is insert a trachea tube until they are conscious. Moving away from the cough reflex, let's talk about the sneeze reflex. Now, this reflex is used to clear the upper respiratory tract, and it's very similar to the cough reflex. As pressure builds up, you got to sneeze, you're taking in air, the uvula will depress, and a large amount of air will pass rapidly through the nose instead of out of the mouth. And this will be used to clear the nasal passage, and you'll sneeze. My invitation to listeners is when, they're got, when they need to cough or when they need to sneeze, see if you can follow the steps that I put forward. See if you see, oh, I'm taking in all this air. I'm closing in. My abdomen is tightening up. I'm building this pressure. And then in a moment, it's just this intense cough or sneeze reflex. It's very fun and fascinating. Fun for me. Now, let's go into some procedures in which we, we do if we need to insert a tube, like a tracheostomy, or a tracheotomy. So a tracheotomy, literally, it's an otomy, so it's meant to cut. So it's an incision into the trachea. And of course, we would do this, well, you do this only when you need to. But if this patient's upper airway is completely obstructed and you need to quickly get air circulation happening. So what you would do is an incision would be made through the skin at around two, three, four tracheal ring or at the cricothyroid membrane. So this allows you to gain access to the airway below the foreign body or tumor or edema of the glottis, allowing the patient to be able to breathe. Now, a tracheotomy and a tracheostomy are two different things. A tracheostomy is a hole in the trachea or between the thyroid and cricoid cartilage. And this is the hole where you would insert the tube. Very, very cool. Now, I think this is where I'm going to end this episode here. We went through a lot with this episode, and we'll make sure in uh, a future podcast to go over the rest of the respiratory system in a little bit uh, finer detail, which, of course, will move lower into the respiratory system, going from our trachea into the bronchi, into bronchioles, into the alveoli, and then we can start discussing disorders such as IRDS and ARDS. And we can have an entire podcast, I think, talking about the control of respiration, talking about gas exchange at the capillary level, and talking about some respiratory disorders later on. 
I am very thankful for everyone who is listening. I hope you all are keeping well, and I hope that you are all enjoying my podcast. As always, I look forward to hearing any feedback that you might have, uh, both good and bad. And you can most certainly reach me at nursingitpodcast.gmail.com, and I will help however I can with any questions that you might have. Until next time, stay safe out there, and I look forward to talking to you all again soon. Take care. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.